Hi everybody and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red red wine to pina coladas. My name is Allie and today is Wednesday, May 5th. This is episode 53 and today makes this a Wine Wednesday show. Happy Cinco de Mayo as well everybody. I hope everyone enjoys a margarita or two today as well as having pushed your normal Taco Tuesday celebrations back a day so you could have them today. Also coming up this week is Moscato Day on Sunday, so make sure when you're picking up your bottle of Sauvignon Blanc for Friday's World World Sauvignon Blanc Day, that you pick up a bottle of Moscato as well. And no, they aren't just all just super sweet. Uh, most are a great combination of sweetness and acidity. So definitely check them out. Don't be afraid to try them and see how it goes because it really is a cool grape and style of wine. Now, for today's show topic, we definitely have to talk about Sauvignon Blanc. Man, I love this grape. While Riesling is my favorite white for its expressibility, I'm not sure if that's a real word, but it, uh, I definitely think it should be a word if it's not. Um, so Riesling definitely expresses more terroir and itself. Sauvignon Blanc is definitely my favorite for its Christmas and cool patio vibes. Today we will talk a little bit of history, growing regions, and some food pairings. So let's jump on in. Now we all know Sauvignon Blanc as the darling of New Zealand's wine industry, but its history is much older than when New Zealand exploded onto the scene in the kind of late 90s. Even within New Zealand, its history is much older than that. Our first records of Sauvignon Blanc are from the 1500s in the Loire Valley. We know that one of its parents is Savignin, who also happens to be the parent of the grapes Gruner Veltliner. Uh, Gruner is spelled G-R-U with an umlaut that's two little dots over it. N-E-R, Veltliner, V-E-L-T-L-I-N-E-R. Very classic German grape varietal. Chenin Blanc, C-H-E-N-I-N-B-L-A-N-C. Sylvaner, S-I-L-V-A-N-E-R. And Verdellel, V-E-R-D-E-L-H-O. All of these grapes share something in common as well, which they must get from that parent grape. They all share a lot of the same green grassy notes as Sauvignon Blanc. So you can definitely see um, some familiar traits there as well. Sauvignon Blanc gets its name, or at least the Sauvignon part, um, from combining two French words, sauvage meaning wild and ving meaning vine, since it had both wild or vigorous growth, and the leaf shape of Sauvignon Blanc is very similar to some wild vines. They kind of assumed it was like a tamed wild grape. It has a very small leaf, as opposed to Chardonnay, which is a very flat, wide, hand-looking one. Um, and obviously then, because it's white, it got Blanc um, as its secondary name. 
So it grows a white grape. So it's called Blanc. Excuse me. From the Loire, the grape travels north and settles in Bordeaux on both sides of the bank. So there are white Bordeaux out there. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, and it then traveled to California in the late 1870s, where it grows very well, though not in huge quantities. It's since spread across the globe and is planted in most wine regions. So you will find it in Canada, in all three wine-growing regions, in the U.S., in just about every state, New Zealand, obviously, Australia, Chile, South Africa. Um, we don't see a lot of export of them, but they do grow it. Uh, most of the rest of the old world doesn't really grow it. Uh, it is a little bit of a temperate grape, temperamental grape, when it comes to growing climate. So growing it in Italy, for example, can be a little bit of a problem because it doesn't like that heat, heat, heat. So I'm sure there's probably some Italian grape grower out there going, wait a minute, I grow Sauvignon Blanc. And if you are that person, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. So anyways, back to Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc has been growing in New Zealand. So like I said, it is definitely New Zealand's darling um, since the 1970s. So way longer than we actually think. It now makes up 71% of New Zealand's total wine production and a whopping 88% of its wine exports. Which is just plain bonkers, guys. That's a lot of your export market to be devoted to one grape varietal. On top of all of on top of that, all seven major varietal or wine growing regions in New Zealand all grow Sauvignon Blanc. They all grow a slightly different version, uh, because of obviously their growing region. But they do all grow it. And why do we associate New Zealand with Sauvignon Blanc? Or Sauvignon Blanc with New Zealand? Well, marketing. Um, in the, I believe, late 90s, maybe the early 2000s, uh, I definitely remember this happening as I was first becoming aware of wine as a teenager. New Zealand decided they wanted to be a world-class exporter. And being a small growing region, all of the wineries had to be on board with one idea of how to export their wine. So, as a collective group, they decided they would market one grape varietal to the entire world. That grape varietal, they decided, would be Sauvignon Blanc. And they put all of their marketing dollars behind this one single grape. So, they were all devoted and all in on one grape for the export market, which is why we now only associate that grape with New Zealand. And don't get me wrong, New Zealand grows fabulous Pinot Noir. They grow great Chardonnay. They grow fantastic cabs. They grow Riesling. They have a fantastic sparkling wine program. We just don't see that anywhere outside of, really outside of the country, because we only want to buy Sauvignon Blanc from them. In theory, that means that their marketing campaign worked really well, 
but it also means that their marketing campaign backfired a little bit for them because it's the only thing that we now want to buy from them. Fun fact, before we get to the tasting notes and food pairing regions, Sauvignon Blanc, that green aromatic characteristic that we associate with Sauvignon Blanc, so that grassy, pea shooty smell, it comes from a compound, a chemical compound, called metho methoxypyrazines, or just pyrazines, which, like I said, runs in the family. So all of Sauv Blanc's sister, siblings have the same compound, though not as high, not as heavily as Sauvignon Blanc does, and so does the offspring Cabernet Sauvignon, which is kind of cool to know. All right. Overall, for tasting notes, we can expect a few overarching flavors, and then it depends on where your wine's coming from. So overall, we can expect fresh cut grass, peas, asparagus, tropical fruit, passion fruit, grapefruit, and sometimes even mango. Wines from the Loire Valley, so where it's originally from, tend to express more lime, gooseberry, grapefruit, flint, and smoke notes. Ones from the Sancerre subregion within the Loire have a great mineral-driven flavor to them. So they're very, um, very different than a New Zealand Sauv Blanc, which is all about the green grassy note and the gooseberry note. Moving north to Bordeaux, the Sauvignon Blancs are notably more salinic, so they're saltier. They have a more honeysuckle, white peach, lemongrass, and beeswax note to them. Now, unlike most regions that grow Sauvignon Blanc, um, in Bordeaux, it is common for these wines to have lease contact, aka they spend time in barrels, which gives them a rounder mouth taste, or rounder mouth feel. Um, we do start to see some North American winemakers, and I'm sure some New Zealand winemakers as well, um, experimenting with barrel aging, and also concrete egg aging is a really big thing for Sauvignon Blanc aging right now. Um, so it it's not unusual for other people to be doing it. It's just not the most common thing. So also, the wines, white wines from Bordeaux, Go for huge dollars, guys. Top tier Chateau Aubriand Blanc can fetch upwards of $1,000 a bottle. That's a lot of money for a bottle of wine. By contrast, we have our New Zealand Sauv Blancs, which have a distinctive gooseberry lime pea shoot flavor with lots of ripe pear and passion fruit notes as well. They also have an aroma that can be described as cat pee. You've probably seen it. It smells like cat pee on a gooseberry bush. You're like, ew, that is totally unappealing. But it actually tastes pretty good. It doesn't taste like you're drinking cat pee. Um, and it is definitely like the signature aroma of New Zealand soap blocks. Makes it kind of easy to pick them out in a blind tasting. So, um, don't be afraid when you read that in a review, don't be afraid if you see it. Some winemakers fully embrace it and they put it on their back label. Don't be afraid of it. It's just an odd compound 
and it's part of that methoxypyrazine note. Um, it's just something that our brains associate with that smell. Alrighty, now that you're thoroughly grossed out, we're, what are we going to have for dinner on Friday? First off, Sauvignon Blancs are great on their own as just fantastic sipping wines. Chilled down on the patio, they're fantastic. Of course, then, we have anything herb-driven. Whether that's an herb sauce over chicken, tofu, or fish dishes, you can't go wrong. Thai Vietnamese-driven, herb-driven dishes can pair well, but if there is spiciness, be careful. Since Sauvignon Blancs tend to have little to no residual sugar and more acidity, they can make your spicy food taste spicier. So just be careful with that one, guys. For main dishes, it's going to be definitely on the lighter side. So roasted chicken or turkey, pork or game birds, all go really well with Sauv Blanc. Fish, things like halibut, haddock, bass, cod, salmon, even smoked salmon, and seafood, things like crab, lobster, oysters, oysters, Rockefeller, calamari, are all perennial favorites of Sauvignon Blancs. So again, a bit of a what grows together goes together. Both Bordeaux and New Zealand, which are the two um, places we kind of associate the most with Sauvignon Blanc production, are very maritime climates. Lots of fish going on there. It is not, however, great with lamb, which is also a big thing in New Zealand. Cheese. Mm. Okay, anything soft and mild is going to be your friend here for cheese and Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc, not great for charcuterie boards. Cheeses, though. Think things like goat's cheese, burrata, ricotta, creme fraiche, mozzarella di bufala, or buffalo mozzarella. Maybe that buffalo mozzarella in a caprese salad with tomatoes and basil. So you're definitely thinking like fresh cheese. Nothing aged, nothing hard, um, and probably not something like a brie. That creaminess could work, but it would depend on how bold the brie itself is. Ooh, a nice warm goat's cheese salad would probably be really tasty with Sauvignon Blanc. For those of you who are more vegetably inclined, think fried zucchini. Not only will the quote-unquote green characteristics match each other, but the acidity in the Sauvignon Blanc will cut through that coating and any residual grease that happens to be there. Next up we have asparagus risotto. Perfect timing for asparagus risotto since we're starting to see them in grocery stores. Greek-style pasta salads or cucumber dill salad. So very fresh, green, and summery flavors and foods. Other great veggie matches include peas, arugula, tomatoes, artichoke, zucchini, leeks, asparagus, fiddleheads. I don't know about you guys, but here we are probably about a week, maybe a week and a half from seeing our fiddleheads pop. Bell peppers, eggplant, and green beans. Now for those herb-driven sauces, you're going to want to think herbs like mint, dill, cilantro, chives, rosemary, thyme, basil, bay, 
capers, green olives, and garlic. You should make a pesto if you're going to use a lot of those. And I'm going to go plant them all in my garden this year. <laughs> I've had some really wild pairings for desserts with Sauvignon Blancs as well. So think key lime pie or lemon meringue pie. So definitely your kind of citrus-driven desserts. Or Hostess Cupcake. Hear me out, guys. Those little black ones with the white cream stuff in the middle and the little white stuff on top. Super strange, but oddly tasting as a pairing together. So, also guys, don't forget, Mother's Day, if you are here in North America, is on Sunday. So, if you need a wine recommendation or a cocktail recommendation, send me a message. I'll give you all the details in a couple of seconds as how to do that. And we'll talk something cool for your mom. Don't forget about her. With that, though, we will wrap up another episode of the podcast. If you're wondering what I personally will be having a glass of for Friday, we are having a bottle of the People's Wine, which is very unfortunately a division of Constellation Brands. Um, They're just a giant wine conglomerate, and I try not to buy too much from the giant guys. I like supporting small um small companies, whenever I can. Um, So it is from Hawke's Bay in New Zealand, which is a wine-growing region on the North Island, which has a lower alcohol by a volume and bills itself as an easier-drinking Sauvignon Blanc. We shall see. You will be able to check it out on Friday on all of my social media channels as to what my review on it is. And like I said, if you want to get a hold of me, Whether you have a question, comment, show topic idea, or you need a recommendation for what to serve to mom for Mother's Day, you can do that in a few ways. You can head over to the website, drinkswithally.com, and you can either fill in the contact me form and send it off. It comes directly to me, so I will see it. Or you can leave a comment on episode 53's page. You can send me an email directly at drinkswithally at gmail.com. Remember, Ali is spelled A-L-I. Or you can find me on social media. It's at drinkswithally on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Spotify, as well as MeWe. I am over there all the time as well. So, fill your glass with something tasty, guys. Enjoy your week. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>